I V M. Welcome to All Things Policy, a podcast on everything from employment to aircraft carriers. We are a bunch of policy nuts based in Namma, Bengaluru, and we like bringing fresh perspectives to Indian affairs and Indian perspectives to global affairs. Hello and welcome to All Things Policy. India's auto sector is in trouble. Sales have been falling for 10 months straight. There's something like 100,000 job losses. Even those who haven't lost their jobs are working fewer hours because production has been scaled back. And uh, there doesn't seem to be any end in sight. To discuss this with me, I have, of course, our resident economist, Anupam Manur. Anupam, what is going on with India's auto sector? How deep does this problem go? There are multiple things that we can look at in order to get an idea of how bad things are. So nothing in, that's going to be said in the next, let's say, about five minutes or so is going to be happy news. Okay, I think that's perfect for a nice Friday evening. So, well, we start off with you have the steepest fall in car sales and overall uh, vehicle sales in August. I think since 1997-98. So that's like a, in 21 years, this has been the biggest kind of fall which we saw in August. Uh, July was bad as well. And as you said, for the last 10 months, it's been falling. And it seems like every month, the fall is higher and higher, which is again, not good news. Yes, you've had, uh, you know, dealerships which are closing, inventory that's piling up and they're not able to sell. I think there was about 286 uh, dealerships that was uh, closed in August or in July. And you've had, um, you know, I mean, job losses, you mentioned about 100,000. In, in fact, if you look at the entire industry, which is to do with auto parts, the allied kind of industry. The, the whole ecosystem. Yeah. The whole ecosystem, it's about 350,000 or wow. 350,000. So it's a lot more than what we think. Uh, of course, so you can even break it down and say, okay, where are these things happening? So there are, of course, uh, job losses in the outlets themselves, the dealerships, that's the final kind of end. And of course, if you've got dealerships which are closing, as we said, 286 of them, then obviously there's going to be job losses there. But plants, entire plants themselves have stopped production. So Tata Motors, for example, stopped producing trucks in their Jamshedpur plant for about uh, seven days uh, suddenly. And then there was Volkswagen which stopped production. There's a whole set of Mahindra and Mahindra also stopped production. So factories are being shut. Uh, not shut down, but they're temporarily being shut because they don't have anything to produce or they don't want to produce because there's not enough demand and so on. So uh, that again gives you one kind of um, encounter. But uh, let me just kind of say that why it's important that we talk about the auto sector, right? If, uh, I don't know, the mic industry or sound industry slows down, people are not that worried, right? Um, the auto sector employs about, you know, 3.5 crore people. That's a lot of people. It contributes to about 50% of manufacturing GDP. And it's been one of uh, one of the rare industries in India, manufacturing industries in India, that seems to be some kind of a success story. So I think when the auto sector slows down, uh, things really, I mean, everyone kind of takes notice and uh, the impact as well can be kind of huge. So it's not just uh, the impact on the auto sector itself, which seems to be devastating, but it's also sort of bellwether for the Indian economy itself. Yeah. So I'll give you an example, right? Sale of two wheelers is actually an excellent indicator of how well the rural economy is doing. Sale of tractors gives you an idea of how the agriculture uh, economy is doing, right? So these are, I mean, as you said, perfectly, it's a bellwether for a lot of other things. So uh, this gives you an idea. Uh, say two wheelers, for example, has fallen by uh, about 22.4% this, again, last August. That is so a lot. That's a lot. Uh, across the board, right? Sale of um, 
Passenger car sales have fallen by about 32%. Uh, sale of medium and heavy vehicles have fallen by 55%. So that means, by the way, if when you're talking about... Uh, heavy commercial vehicles that indicates a lot of other things as well that there's not enough goods that are being now transported or cost of transportation might go up and a whole set of other things right uh, light commercial vehicles saw a decline of 29% um, and total you know domestic passenger vehicle sales if you look at two wheelers plus cars and so on uh, has fallen by 36% now i'm just throwing these numbers but the i think the important thing to notice is everything is declining and not by a trivial, you know, nothing is sub 10% or 15%, it's all in 20% and odd, which are significant numbers. Wow. Now, uh, Finance Minister Nirmala Sitaraman recently blamed those darn millennials and their yeah. uh, cab-hailing apps for the decline in auto sales. Does that make any sense? Absolutely. I mean, how can Nirmala Sitaraman be wrong about anything, right? It's all the millennials' fault uh, instead of, you know, doing the right thing and going and buying a car. Uh, you guys go ahead and hail Uber and Ola and uh, just completely damage the Indian economy. Where is all anti-nationals, I tell you? That's, that's where the real problem is. <laughs> okay. Is there an economic argument against that? Yeah, lots. Um, I mean, even if there was going to be such a huge surge in demand for Uber and Ola, then Uber and Ola should have been buying more cars and that should have kind of I mean it, it would have been at best a substitution instead of people buying cars themselves you have you know people who are drivers buying cars and then the, the thing. Right. so I mean there would still be a, a small decline sure uh, because you know uh, one person buying a car uh, will keep it idle whereas another you know uh, someone who's working for Ola and Uber can do multiple rides in a day but it still is a very very weak and feeble uh, explanation in fact you have to look at you know, what are the proper reasons for it? And there's multiple real reasons for it. Yeah, and this doesn't explain the fall in two-wheeler sales or commercial vehicle sales. Exactly, right? I mean, passenger vehicle sales, as we saw, okay, you could try and explain it with Uber and Ola, but there's definitely no Uber for uh, transporting heavy shipments and uh, this thing across the country, right? And there's, yeah, two-wheeler sales, tractor sales, or any of this is not explained by the millennial argument. <laughs> right. So what is driving this if it's not millennials? Why is India's auto sector in so much trouble? So there are, okay, there's kind of sector-specific reasons and the bigger picture, of course. So let's start with the biggest picture, which is India's GDP is slowing. India's GDP in the last quarter was 5%, which yeah. is the lowest it's been in a long time. And uh, we are facing a slowdown. It's We have to recognize that and acknowledge that. And when an economy is slowing, obviously, you know, people's incomes are going down, consumer confidence, more importantly. So it's not that suddenly people's incomes have gone down. It's not the country is still growing, but it's, it's not confidence. It's a consumer confidence. So people are not absolutely sure. Let's say you buy a car, you're going to buy it based on your flow of income, right? Uh, and if the overall economy is slowing, then each person also kind of thinks that their flow of income might be damaged or it's at least not going to, you know, increase by as much as they expect, which means they'll tend to, you know, hold back on some of the bigger purchases. And this is, again, very, very standard economic behavior in any country and in such situations. So when there's a slowdown, irrespective of what other things might be there, people's confidence goes down. And they tend not to, you know, purchase things. So, for example, in, in Europe, when they were going through the deflation after the 2008 financial crisis, even though interest rates were at zero, 
people are not borrowing in order to spend because they're not assured that you know their incomes are going to keep uh, yeah it's uh, future expectations of income that are crucial exactly right? so that that's the broadest uh, reason and I, and i think also one of the most valid kind of reasons in order to explain this slowdown in auto sector and yeah since auto sector is kind of huge as we said about 49 to 50% of the manufacturing sector or manufacturing gdp then obviously you would see a slowdown there as well so that's the broadest reason but there are sector specific reasons and it seems that it, it you know you can kind of look at it independently and i'm sure that's how it's happened but you know if you kind of take a birds eye view it seems that the regulatory authorities have gone after the auto sector in order to you know doom it okay it, it's that's not how it's happened but you look at each of these rules independently and it seems like there's a concentrated uh, effort to kind of damage and completely ruin the auto sector right. so let me just give you an example of some of these things right one is um you know you have whole set of regulations around all kinds of vehicles right so for example registration fees of passenger cars now that was set to go up by about uh, 20000 or 30000 rupees so um sorry sorry not even that it's not that high but about 1000 rupees for two wheelers and about 5000 rupees for cars and that's quite kind of significant and for commercial vehicles it's a bit more yeah um and if that is the case now that was supposed to come in 2020 and already there's consumer sentiment saying oh we're going to have to pay more for registering so let's again not probably buy a car so that's one of the things that happened there's whole set of other rules and regulations around the cars itself so for example something called an anti braking anti lock braking system and combined braking system was compulsorily introduced in cars which again makes it more expensive to buy so prices have gone up demand falls down um there's some uh, other one which is um, insurance has gone up insurance costs uh, the premium of third party insurance went up massively which means again cost of the vehicle goes up right. now these are still kind of smaller reasons but i'm just trying to give you an example of how the regulations on some of these things have you know hurt one more for example is completely unrelated right but uh, it's it just that they increase the load capacity of commercial vehicles by about 25 percent yeah okay. so your incentive for buying new vehicles goes up exactly so with one rule you've uh, increased the freight capacity of the, in the entire country by 25 percent which means you don't need to buy a new commercial vehicle so that's one other thing that's happened right so all of these things again you know you see them independently and probably they make sense but together they've kind of hurt the uh, auto sector but i'll now move on to slightly bigger reasons here most of the financing of newer vehicle purchasing comes actually from nbfc sector especially of the commercial vehicles right so it's not you know purely you know car sales that you and i might go and buy if we take a bank loan or finance it through you know someone else but a lot of other commercial vehicles are purchased through the N nbfc financing and with the massive crisis in il and fs and uh, overall nbfc banking sector then the amount of loans that's been given out to uh, this uh, purchasing of vehicles has gone down massively so there's a financing problem here so people are not able to afford they can't get a loan uh, to buy new cars so then or buy new vehicles and thus there's you know that is one of the bigger kind of explanations as to why this has happened and uh, you could look at you know again the other really really big reason here and is the move to newer you know pollution norms so we've moved from bs4 bharat stage 4 to now i mean we're planning to move to bharat stage 6 yeah right and uh, that is going to massively increase the prices 
of each commercial vehicle so and and there's also kind of uh, you know diesel vehicle sometimes would not really meet that standard or you need to do a lot of changes in the engine technology in order to meet that uh, this thing so for example maruti completely discontinued its sale of uh, its or is planning to discontinue its sale of diesel vehicles right because they can't meet the bs6 uh, norms so this again now is it a good thing that we are moving and evolving to a better kind of pollution norms Yes, it makes sense, but it just come at an extremely wrong time for the auto sector. Yeah, so the auto sector's hell is partly paved with good intentions yeah. like this. <laughs> um, you know, when I go out and buy a car, I get the sense that about forty to forty-five percent of my purchase cost goes to the government. This might have been fine back when everybody had a lot of disposable income and could buy cars. Can the government do something about this? Can it just cut back on its taxes? The registration fee is one of the things that we spoke about, which is kind of again they're planning to increase it. Yes. Uh, if anything, then there's of course GST on cars, and uh, this is a debatable topic, right? Cars are actually taxed at twenty eight percent of GST, and twenty eight percent is the slab generally meant for luxuries. Now again, we are in a country where we look at cars as a luxury, right? Even though the probably the rest of the world, I mean, you go to the US and the car is an absolute necessity, right? Now I'm not saying we should. have that kind of mindset but the more we keep looking at cars as this uh, luxurious items which must be taxed only the rich can afford it it's always going to remain that way the poor will always be excluded from owning a car and you know owning a car gives you mobility and mobility can actually increase productivity can increase economic opportunity for people and so on so you're massively uh, you know removing that opportunity now i would say you have to reduce the gst as an overall principle economic principle but the problem of doing it now is slightly different now car, uh, auto manufacturers have been pushing the government and gst council is just going to meet in a couple of days or probably today i think the auto manufacturers have been trying to you know push the gst and lobby the gst council in order to push uh, reduce the gst from 28% to 18% i'm wholly in favor of this move right as a matter of principle because i don't think cars are a luxury and that it tax rate should be so high and should be actually made more affordable to a, la- a large number of people but if you do it now then gst becomes another kind of industrial policy instead of being what it is meant to be which is tax rates so i don't want the tax policy to be the kind of uh, last resort for all of you know whenever any industry is failing because next time if garment industry is failing you'll again go make a submission to the gst council and say reduce our gst slab and then it becomes this complete ground for negotiation at best Uh, and at worst it can lead to some other kind of uh, problems right industries which can have Absolutely. more lobbying, lobbying power around. will ask lower gst rate and it becomes an entirely mess messy affair i mean but that's to do with fixing gst and i won't get into more of that now yeah. but i think a flat stable rate at 12% for every item is far better than having these multiple rates and um, arbitrarily classifying cars as a luxury item i mean is two wheeler a luxury item I, I do presume not. So. Yeah. It should not be right. So I mean, that's one of the things that. Uh, but overall, other kinds of taxes as well should be reduced. Not because of that the auto sector is in crisis, but in general, uh, road tax, for example, can be reduced. And again, there's arbitrage opportunities. Different states have different kinds of road taxes. I don't see why that should be the case. You can have again kind of. uniform road tax or bring that under the broad gst uh, mandate and, and so on so yeah it is kind of ridiculous that 45% of how much you pay for a car actually goes to the government that seems to be an extremely high number and usually reserved for you know high end luxury items and i think that can be reduced overall but again not 
as a way to you know out of this crisis not specifically for the auto sector yeah, yeah. so um that's one of the things now the other i think something that the government did wrong or at least at the wrong time is this push to evs electrical vehicles so i mean it again it's not a bad idea that we should think about moving to uh, vehicles which produce less uh, emissions but the push ke- is coming at a wrong time and also is slightly misplaced because your auto sector as we've spoken is you know one of the bigger sectors industrial sectors and manufacturing sectors is employ so many people now suddenly you throw out this thing saying uh, by 2030 we expect 40% of the vehicles to be electric um, there's definite kind of incentives for electric vehicles and there's also talk about disincentivizing diesel and petrol vehicles and so on so con- consumers are now just putting the car um, uh, purchases on limit and saying let's just wait for some clarity uh, as to how this entire thing is going to play out is ev going to be the norm is petrol vehicles going to be suddenly taxed higher so people are just waiting back holding back and saying let's let's just wait for clarity instead of uh, purchasing a car now that again is a massive reason for the downturn so then we surely do need an electric vehicle policy what should it be then i think saying that we need an electric vehicle policy is already uh, narrowing down on a solution okay. to a problem that's not well defined now the problem here is not that we need evs or that there're not enough evs the problem is that cars have emissions yeah. and that ha- uh, leads to whatever pollutions and climate change and we don't want we want to overall reduce that right so the problem statement is how do you reduce pollution uh, or emissions by vehicles right and so then that leads to a whole set of different kinds of um, solutions possible solutions evs are one of them right um, you could have hybrid vehicles with you know cng and petrol or C- something electric and petrol or something else you never know right car manufacturers on their own can start uh, building ne- newer technologies which pollute less or they can you know push themselves towards bharat state sticks sure. or other things right yeah so governments don't have to pick winners in this they don't have to pick winners so give enough of a timeline and say this is our overall policy we're going to incentivize you know any kind of research and this thing development towards that this is what we're aiming for reducing emissions how car manufacturers decide to get there what consumer preferences are uh, should all i mean the market will play itself out i mean consumers might not prefer to have this changeable batteries or whatever that's already a solution that the government has picked they're trying to now i mean their entire focus is on how do you have uh, whatever battery stations and uh, replaceable batteries or no sorry what is that change um, chargeable battery ha huh? chargeable or changeable no chargeable but also that you can exchange them uh-huh. uh, for others and so on whatever that's a solution they've already picked i don't see why that should be the case you just have a policy goal which is reduce emissions and then let the market kind of figure how to get there evs might still be the answer but let the markets decide that then they have you know a plan to get there instead of this kind of forced uh, thing by the government and everyone's confused they don't know what's going to come up uh, and you know given how this government operates out of the blue you can suddenly say no more petrol you know sale of petrol cars or no more sale of diesel cars you don't know and then that's why i think a lot of people are just kind of sitting back and saying okay let's see how this entire thing plays out okay so that's i think probably a better way forward now i have i mean ultimately as i said i mean you can have some of these taxes that you can relook as one of the solutions um there's some kind of a stimulus package i'm generally not the one to kind of uh say that the government should provide a stimulus but given the kind of massive importance of this industry to the economy i can look at f- some of uh, stimulus package 
um, which probably creates less of distortions uh, that can be given. I mean, the government has to look at what this is. What they've been asking for is some kind of tax cuts or subsidies, uh, other incentives. So if you set up a new manufacturing unit, you could get a subsidy or something of that sort. Um, but again, it, it's up to the government to look at this. I'm sure there's there are some kind of uh, stimulus package that can be given. But I think I'll, I'll, I want to just probably end with a slightly more radical and a long-term idea. Go ahead. Which, and this is just after this crisis is over. By the way, the automobile industry has been in and out of a crisis since about 2013. So this is not entirely new. It's just that the scale this time is slightly higher. Okay. If you, I was just looking back uh, at news reports of previous crises and it's been there. Right. I think the bigger issue here is that Indian car manufacturing industry is extremely low on productivity when compared to any other country. Okay. And I think in India, I mean, if you had to put a number on it, India's productivity is about a third of China's. Wow. Yeah. So that's extremely low. And part of that reason is because we've, again, lived in this protective bubble. Now, yeah, probably, you know, the kind of initial protectionism did help the uh, domestic car manufacturers kind of set up and grow. Uh, but there's no reason why it should be protected even now. After, let's say, if you take, again, 91 as a, this, you know, inflection point, uh, and you give it, let's say, 10 years of protection for country, I mean, for the entire uh, industry to grow, uh, that's 2001. Uh, I don't see that you need protection even, you know, 29, 30 years later, right? I think a uh, uh, longer term solution is to remove some of these protections. By the way, the tariffs on imported cars, fully built units uh, in India is probably the highest in all comparable countries. Sure. Right. It's about it's as high as about 125 uh, percent in some cases, but standard about 60 percent. That's extremely high. Right. So that is completely insulated and, you know, wrapped our industries, car manufacturing industry in this nice protective bubble, uh, which has completely, you know, reduced their incentive to be productive, to, you know, again, invest in R&D, to uh, innovate and to cut costs and, you know, the standard set of economic arguments around this. So um, one of the things is I, I, I would say is remove the protection, uh, gradually reduce from again, you can do it very cleverly. First, let this crisis get over. Nothing. This is not an immediate thing. So let this crisis get over. No point, you know, kicking someone when they're down. Yeah. Uh, but when things start to look up, you gradually state your plan first, saying in the next ten years we're going to reduce from one twenty-five percent to about fifteen percent, ten percent, whatever you pick a number, right? And do that gradually with a stated plan, so that everyone knows exactly how it's going to happen. They can plan for it, and and, and I think that's the only way to uh, increase productivity and make sure that the auto sector can actually do well in the long run. Okay. So that's my ending kind of big solution. <laughs> okay, great. So we've heard both some uh, solutions for dealing with the immediate crisis and as well as a drastic, uh, and as well as a, a very nice solution. Uh, okay, I'll start again. Okay, so we've heard some great solutions about dealing with the immediate crisis as well as a very intriguing solution about uh, dealing with the auto sector structurally over the long term. Uh, thanks, Anupam. And uh, let's hope that our auto sector continues to be an engine of growth. <laughs> Forgive the pun. All right. Uh, thank you for joining us. And thank you for joining us on All Things Policy. We'd love to hear what you think about this chat. Check us out at our Twitter handle at Takshashila Inst on our Quora space, All Things Policy. For the latest analysis and research on technology, strategy and economic affairs, visit our website at takshashila.org.in and tune in for our next episode.